The FT. Dilma Rousseff was re-elected president of Brazil this week, and the reactions of the market to her victory, a currency and stock market sell-off, gave a foretaste of the battle she faces to deliver the improvements to Brazilians' living standards that her voters expect. I'm Fiona Simon, a digital editor at the FT, and on the line with me is Joe Lehi, our Sao Paulo correspondent. Hi, Joe. Dilma won by the slimmest margin in the country's history, which suggests that even her traditional supporters in the Workers' Party had their doubts. What's been her response to the result? In her victory speech, she was quite gracious. She said uh, that you know she wanted to initiate dialogue. She said that the country wasn't divided, although it clearly was, but. Uh, but she acknowledged that perhaps you know that there are great differences by saying that she wants to initiate a process of dialogue and to talk to all parts of society about political reform and to try to sort of recreate the sense of unity. Clearly, though, Brazil is a country divided today. The result was a little bit over 48% versus 51% for Rousseff. Now, this part of the population that voted against the PT and Rousseff. They actually live in the south and southeast mostly, and in the central west. They are the most wealthy segment of Brazil. These states produce almost all of the economic output of the country, and in addition to that, they pay almost all of the taxes. So, what we have is an incredible situation. We have a country that's divided between the part of the country that receives the benefits of the taxes and and the part of the country that pays most of the taxes. How has the local business community responded to the election result? The business community has generally responded with depression. If you go down to the banking district here at Faria Lima, you'll find a lot of people with very little to do. Um, I visited some lawyers yesterday who said they just had one deal pulled, and another deal was dependent on who the finance minister will be. But in a very unusual move this week, Abilio Genes, who's probably the biggest retail tycoon in Brazil, wrote an open letter to President Dilma appealing to her to try to get the economy back on course and to govern for all Brazilians. And the way he put it is that we need a, a government that governs for the poor and the most needy, but also for the workers, for the middle class, for businessmen and for basically the free market. So this is a quite an unusual and rare uh, thing for a big businessman to do here, given how dependent they all are on the government, especially for long-term finance, because the biggest lender here for long-term loans is the government's development bank. So let's see how this plays out. Perhaps business is about to become more outspoken. Has Dilma made any attempt to reach out to her political opponents or to this large segment that didn't vote for her? The best thing that she could do to reach out to that other segment would be in her decisions in the next few weeks regarding the economy. The people who didn't vote for Rousseff voted for the pro-business, or let us say more pro-business, PSDB, the opposition party, and they're concerned about the economy. They're more aware of the problems that are developing in Brazil, the fact that Brazil is now running a primary fiscal deficit. You know, that's a deficit even before it starts paying interest payments. And they're concerned about the trends that they see in terms of economic growth. Brazil slipped into recession in the first half of the year. And these people blame not only the international situation, but they blame Rousseff for these problems. She's kept in place a finance minister that has been much criticised by the market, Guido Mantega, for not delivering economic growth. Economic growth during Rousseff's four years of her first term is expected to be 1.6%, which would be the lowest since the 1990s. So... 
What she needs to do to bring these people back on board is to replace Mr Mantega with a convincing candidate for the finance minister, someone who understands the markets, someone who is a little bit more market orientated, and then she needs to deliver on credible policies. And in the papers today, there's a source close to her saying that she realises that she needs to bring the accounts back into balance next year, and that that might even be a violent adjustment in the fiscal accounts. Now, I don't think anyone wants to see a violent adjustment, but what they want to see is that you know Brazil's accounts start to come back into balance. What are the most pressing economic challenges facing her administration? The most pressing challenge, I think, for her administration is to regain the confidence of investors. The government has been trying to get investment going for the past four years, and it's failed dismally. The investment rate in the economy has actually fallen. So she needs to somehow get these animal spirits back and create some investment which would then create economic growth. The problem for Brazil now is it's simply not growing fast enough anymore to maintain the improvements that people have seen in social indicators over the past, let's say, 12 years, but more so during the period of her predecessor, Lula, Luiz Inicio Lula da Silva. So this is one of the most pressing things. The other one is the fiscal accounts. Brazil has a relatively low gross debt. It's about 60% of GDP. It's not an alarming figure, but Brazil pays the highest interest rates in the world on debt. So Brazil can't afford to allow its public debt to climb too much. It needs to set the economy on a track in which this debt does not continue to climb. It's been climbing over the past couple of years because the government has all but abandoned this policy of running a primary fiscal surplus, which is the surplus before interest payments. Brazil, over the past 12 years, was really an economy that benefited from the commodity boom and used some of these proceeds to generate a consumer boom at the same time. So Brazil lifted a lot of people out of poverty using welfare payments, access to credit, and using some of the proceeds of that commodity boom to spur consumption. Now it needs to shift to investment, and that's much easier said than done. How do you interpret the move by the central bank to raise interest rates? That was a surprise decision. People expected the central bank not to do that so soon after the election to perhaps give Dilma a little bit of time. But from the market's perspective, it was a decision that was very important because the real has declined quite sharply since President uh, Rousseff was re-elected. And the central bank's assumption was for a real of 225 to the dollar, and now it's around about 245 to 250. So this weaker real is going to bring in more inflation. So the central bank needed to act, and it did act, and it was applauded by analysts for showing that determination. So maybe this is you know the first of a number of good signs that perhaps the administration is aware of the need to get back to the basics that helped Brazil stabilise in the 1990s, controlling inflation, balancing the fiscal accounts and letting the exchange rate float. If Brazil can get back to these basics, most people believe that it will set the base for growth in the future. Are there wider repercussions for the global economy if Dilma fails to get the Brazilian economy back on track? Historically, or during the economic boom of the first part of the 2000s, Brazil was one of the fastest growing of the BRICS countries, and it grew in 2010 at 7.5%. Now, clearly, this was overheated. It was a product of a lot of government stimulus at that time because that was an election year. But still, Brazil was one of the rising stars and grew even to the size of an economy larger than the UK. It was, at one point, the sixth largest in the world. So 
Brazil has become an incredibly important part of the emerging market dynamic. It's seen as a market for investors, as a potential growth hotspot. It has some fantastic companies. It's got the third largest commercial airline manufacturer in the world. It's an incredible agricultural power. And it has a partnership with China that is growing, uh, where China is increasing here more in Brazil's oil reserves, and, and Brazil is exporting food to China. Brazil is the one country in the world that really has the capacity to feed China as it develops. So Brazil has become an incredibly important part of the global economy. The challenge for Ms. Rousseff is to continue this process, to not let this dynamic growth die off, and for Brazil to sort of go back in time and become semi-protected, a sleepy Latin American economy that's not really growing, that's not connected to the global supply chains. She needs to prevent that from happening, and I think that's really what's at stake here. Thanks, Jeff. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc., 